Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Jerry Dulac now joins us. Steelers Network and Post-Gazette. Jerry, welcome. How are you? Well, Steve, I am fine. And of all the interview requests I get during the season and out of season, there's none I enjoy doing more than chatting with you, my friend. Same here, my friend. I appreciate that. Very kind of you to say and think that. Let's get to the Steelers. Uh, while a lot of people will bubble wrap their personnel during the course of preseason games, Mike doesn't. Uh, so what's the approach this week for week two as to who he wants to play and who he wants to keep back? Well, I think, you know, Mike Tomlin said this morning, Steve, that he intends to play all of his veteran players who um, did not play in Tampa, and that includes their Pro Bowl players, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, Patrick Peterson's going to play, not play in Tampa, Joey Porter Jr., who was held out of last week's game with a few leg issues, he's going to play. So they're going to use all their healthy guys. Now, how much um, remains to be seen? I'm curious to see how they treat game three because, you know, there's two and a half weeks between games after that preseason finale and the pre and the season opener. Um, you know, it's a little different than, than past years, but I actually think these guys might, uh, if they play in the, in the third preseason game, it might be uh, sparingly in Kenny Pickett and the offense. Obviously, they're going to play more than one series, but everybody who's healthy will play. Unlike the Tampa game, the first game in Tampa, where a lot of those guys were held out, the veteran guys, which is what I expected. And there've been a lot of, you know, obviously they have these scrimmages that they take place with other teams. So give me the value in your mind of the scrimmage part, and the value of the preseason part, because each one does have value. So how do you assess the value of each? Well, you know, I'm a big game guy, Steve. I don't put a lot of stock in practice and by that I mean look I know it's necessary you hear every player talk about the need for it um, but you and you hear every coach talk about the necessity for it but you know I was reading something today uh, from TJ Watt uh, and he was talking about how veterans use preseason practice to work on their craft not necessarily play um, you know how they would in a game and, and what that points up is all these people who put a lot of stock on what's happening in practice, what's happening in seven-on-seven, seven, what's happening in what the Steelers like to call their seven-shot drill. I don't <laughs> because it doesn't yeah. count. And when you're a veteran player, you're just not going to play with the same intensity in practice as you are uh, during a regular season game. And then, of course, it gets amplified even more, as you know, once you get to the postseason. So... What I see in practice, I don't, you know, now younger guys, I'll look at, you You know, you look at their skill set. But with a lot of the other guys, we don't know what they're working on. We don't know what they're trying to accomplish, uh, even with the, the plays that are being called. You know, coaches are doing things to see what things might work as opposed to what they might typically call or want to use in those game situations. So. Uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a, a guy who puts. Uh, you know, I'm, I got a little bit of that Allen Iverson in me. You know, I don't put a yeah. lot of stock in practice, uh, even though I know it's a necessary evil. 
I evaluate guys on what I see in games, and I start, you know, you get a feel for what the coaches think, uh, even more so when you see the guys playing in games. You know they what they think of these guys, who they depend on, and also maybe just what they want to see uh, from some of their younger guys. And not only that, though, here's another element to it. Yes, practice is important because you need to refine what you're doing. If somebody's running it out, that should be cut at nine, and they're cutting it at eleven. You got to. That's where practice comes in. Right. But to me, these scrimmages, that's not talked about enough. These are controlled scrimmages. Games aren't controlled. You know, Stephen. To that point, uh, you know, look, they get the crowds out here. We had twenty-one thousand people here last Sunday. My right, goodness yeah. gracious! After a preseason game, which was surprising to me. Usually, the crowds, you know, they diminish a little after they've played a game. But there, you know, there's a lot of excitement about this team. But to your point, you know, plays are being made down the field or completions, and the crowd goes crazy. And the reality is, they don't touch the quarterbacks. And so, in a game situation, those quarterbacks might have been sacked. <laughs> you know, right. or, or whatnot, or hit. And here, they're just running out of the pocket. Nobody touches them. And so they have plenty of time to throw the ball down the field. And that, yeah, that's what's controlled. The control is they don't hit the quarterbacks. And that's just not a game situation, you know. And so that's why, again, you know, you have to, you have to couch everything you see in practice here at training camp because you just, you know, it's, yeah, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. Right, and here's the other element, too. The NFL, in the collective bargaining agreement, has put more restrictions on hitting in practices. And that's why I feel, and you tell me if I'm wrong about this, Jerry, I feel like now, a good part of September, I feel like I'm watching a step above preseason games because these guys have to get you. That's where the hitting's happening. Oh, well, there's no question about it. And you see that especially with the veteran players. And that's what I was talking about earlier with guys going, the veteran players, if they're lucky, going 75% because they know they have to save themselves. And even though the league has limited the amount of days you can spend in pads, especially during the season, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, they're doing that to protect these guys. And the players realize they have to protect themselves. You know, teams protect them because of their – big contracts. So the Steelers aren't going to go heavy with T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward, you know, and they're going to let the younger guys battle it out because, hey, Steve, they come to training camp and they pretty much know 50 to 51 players out of the 53 they're going to keep. I could pretty much tell you 50 or 51 of the 53 players they're going to keep. But they, you know, they they want to develop some players for the practice squad. There's always those one or two guys that they, they go, hey, this guy might turn into something. You're always going to get some of that. Um, but, you know, they know what a lot of these guys can do, and the veteran players are just trying to get their bodies ready for uh, the regular season. And they have to pace themselves because it is a long year. And, um, you know, it's, it's only August, and they're going to be going into January. And, for, for, you know, for some teams, hopefully February. So, yeah, they, they you know, they know how to pace themselves and to get excited about anything in August, to me, is extremely premature. What's been the feeling in the camp of where Kenny Pickett is right now? Uh, a lot of excitement. Of course, if you talk to the fans, uh, they have him in the Hall of Fame and yeah. already. And uh, that, that's, that's what has to be tempered just a little. You know, the guy's entering his second year. And, and what you notice about him is there's no quarterback competition this year. It's his team. 
And he's the type of guy that he's very comfortable being the leader of the team. Um, you saw that last year as, as a rookie. He has that quality about him. He has that, uh, you know, that leadership intangible, if you will. Um, his arm looks stronger. But, Steve, I, you know, let me see year two. Um, do I think he could be a very good quarterback in the NFL? Yes. Do I think he could be a great quarterback? No. Um, he's also following the Hall of Famer in, in Ben Roethlisberger. But um, let's see year two. And while this is his second go-round, um, this is also the second go-round for the defensive coordinators who now get a longer look at him to study and prepare for his tendencies. And, uh, you know, you can, you can use the example of a Mac Jones who flourished as a rookie and looked really good and then really struggled in year two with the Patriots. Or you can look at Justin Herbert, who had a good rookie year and, and added to it in year two. That's what we're going to find out with Kenny Pickett. And, but he has the mobility. Uh, he throws well on the run. He throws well across his body. Um, you know, like, well, like most young quarterbacks, his completion percentage wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible. I think it was 63%. And I thought the biggest thing he did last year was after throwing seven picks in his first five games, he threw only one in the final eight or in the final nine. And for a rookie quarterback to have the intelligence and wherewithal and kind of the moxie to know not to turn the ball over and still be productive, you know, mostly productive, not terribly because they just didn't score a lot of points and they don't have a lot of big plays. But to be able to cut down on the interceptions like that, to me, shows a, a lot about his football IQ. And by the way, that Hall of Fame quarterback, future Hall of Fame quarterback, was here in State College Friday. Oh, was he? Uh, yeah, he was uh, at the U.S. Kids event, so he's here with his son. Oh, yeah, yeah. his uh, son's a very good player. Yeah, yeah, no, he was, so they played over at the Blue Course on, uh, oh, on Friday as part to, of the know, U.S. Kids event. Oh, I didn't know that. I'll have to text him and ask him about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Patrick Peterson sounds like he's going to be able to. He's going to go this time through as one of those veterans. What's been your impression of him so far? I mean, he's thirty-three now. You know, uh, Steve. There's another guy too that you can relate to, and Allen Robinson, who's going to bring that same type of um, veteran leadership and hopefully production to the receiving room, but. Patrick Peterson is a pro's pro. I mean, he's an eight-time pro bowler. Uh, he's three-time all-pro. And he's just, you know, he's just a tremendous teammate, a tremendous person. Um, and and we'll see what he has left. 33 years old. But last year, statistically, was the second best of his career. Five picks, 13 passes, defense. But, you know, he was telling me this a couple weeks ago in between us talking about golf because he's a golf fanatic. But, <laughs> you right. know, he, he understood that teams started throwing a little bit more his way, you know, wanting to test him. Um, you know, unlike uh, those years when he was considered a top three or top five cornerback. You know, teams didn't test him. But last year, you know, they threw more in his direction, and um, he responded with some good numbers. But I think the key is going to be he knows this, and, of course, Mike Tomlin knows this. They don't want him, for the most part, playing with his back to the corner, uh, quarterback. They don't want him in press coverage running on the outside with a receiver one-on-one for the most part. They would prefer him playing a nickel. They would prefer him playing dime. They would prefer him playing a little safety, maybe in some of their sub-packages, where he has his eyes in the backfield. They understand he's 33. 
and he's not the elite player that he once was, and he was an elite player, and he knows that. So it's it's finding out where and how he fits into that defense, but there, I don't think there's any question he's going to be a nice addition. Is he going to make the, a difference in that defense, maybe like Minka Fitzpatrick does in the back end? No, but I no. think with everything that he can bring, both from a leadership standpoint um, and, and his, you know, you talk about football IQ, that guy has it. Um, I think it was a nice addition for them to bring in Patrick Peterson. And how much can a Joey Porter Jr. benefit from tapping into that football IQ that Peterson has? Yeah, and there's no question. And, and, and Patrick Peterson talks to him a lot. You know, they don't have a player, and they haven't had a player like Joey Porter Jr. in a long time. They had some nice cornerbacks. Joe Hayden was obviously very good, but Joe Hayden was five foot ten, five foot eleven. I don't have right. to tell you about Joey Porter. Six two and a half, and, and Steve, he looks bigger than even the one ninety three. And you know, he has those long arms. He is mm-hmm. a big corner who can run. And and um, you know, I think to me, obviously, I don't care what they have or who they have. He is their best option on the outside right now. Yeah, well, well, might they live with some of his mistakes? Of course, he's a rookie. But um, they really like him, and uh, he is going to play a lot. And there's no question Patrick Peterson can have, uh, help him a great deal. But uh, he looks really, really good. They like what they see. And, uh, you know, they're going to get a little better look in some game action, uh, you know, against Josh Allen and, uh, and the Bills on Saturday. Finally, is there, you know, you talked about essentially going into camp, and you had a pretty good feel about who the top 50 or 51 would be. Is there any competition anywhere you're seeing that gives you any intrigue? You know, I think that the thing that is most curious to me is what do they do with Broderick Jones, their number one pick? You know, yeah. they move they move up two spots in the draft to get him at 15. Uh, you know, despite that offensive line being the most improved unit on the team last year, I mean, it's remarkable where they were in the preseason. You know, they remade a lot of it uh, prior to 2020 and 22. And then they go out in the offseason, they sign two, uh, two more guards, Isaac Ciamalo from the Eagles, give him a big deal. And then they draft Broderick Jones. They wanted to beef up that offensive line some more. And so, you know, Dan Moore is at two years as a starter. He's never missed a game. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and tell you that he's Anthony Munoz, but, you know, he's not a swinging gate at left tackle either. No. Um, he is a big-bodied guy who is athletic, and, and you could tell he's kind of reshaped his body uh, coming into camp. And so, you know, it's not like they're just going to thrust Broderick Jones in there, but Dan Moore is a more than capable left tackle when you consider they threw him in there as a rookie, and he's done a pretty good job, and year two was the same. Ah, a couple holding penalties, but again, he's just a year two left tackle, and now he's in his third year. And, you know, I always tell everybody, Steve, I said, they didn't bring Broderick Jones in to lead the band at halftime. That's for sure. <laughs> but but where that uh, – that's my old friend Tom Donahoe's line. Uh, where yeah. and when that occurs, I don't know. And, and uh, But it's not like they're going to move somebody to right tackle because they like their right tackle, Chooks core for. So I'm yeah. curious to see – it's not a battle. Dan, Dan Moore has taken – pretty much every snap with the first team offense and will continue to do so but at some point in time they're going to want to work Broderick Jones in there because he is a big man who can move and when he gets his hands on you forget it Um, but that to me 
I would say, is the most curious battle. Other than that, I don't think there's a battle for a starting position at all on this football team. Uh, but that one's gonna that's gonna be a curious move to see how that uh, you know uh, plays itself out. Can't thank you enough because you always you know I'm able to tap into all that knowledge and the audience benefits from it, my friend. Appreciate you more than you know. Well, Steve, uh, you are welcome. I always enjoy chatting with you, and every time, as you know, when I hear your voice, I think of the first thing I think of is Penn State football, and it's not far away. Yep, two weeks from Saturday. I two know. Two weeks from I Saturday. My, my daughter, who is uh, graduated, is actually coming up for – she can't go to the uh, West Virginia game, but she's coming up to the second game. Who's that against? Is that uh, – Delaware. 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 Yeah, she's, she's coming yeah. up for that one. <laughs> Good. Tell her to stop by and please t- say hi to us before the game. I will absolutely do that. She knows that all the time. <laughs> all, right. all right, Jerry. Thanks, my friend. Uh, all right, Steve. Good chatting with you.